From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm Jason Dick, the leadership and enterprise editor here at CQ Roll Call, and I'm joined by Nathan Gonzalez of Inside Elections, one of our uh, longtime contributors and colleagues uh, who analyzes elections, uh, basically lets us know what we can expect, at least, uh, in, in the political environment and the upcoming elections. Nathan, welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. So we are, um, you, you have a recent ratings change. Uh, this is something that, uh, you know, people typically pay quite a bit of attention to uh, because you're, you're trying to go a little bit, you know, beyond the headlines, obviously, uh, about Jeff Flake, the uh, junior senator from Arizona. You changed his rating yesterday. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, we changed it, uh, we changed it actually late last week from uh, lean Republican to tilt Republican. We have this unique category between toss-up and leaning, which we call tilt, because uh, I, I feel like it's doing a disservice if we just end up throwing every race into toss-up. So, But it's making Jeff Flake more vulnerable. And this was even before the rally, uh, the president's rally in Phoenix. And uh, you know, taking even a further step back, Jeff Flake is a, uh, was a senator that we were watching. Of course, most of the attention goes to these Trump state Democrats, the 10 Democrats in states that Trump won in 2016. But we're also watching Dean Heller in Nevada and, and Jeff Flake. Uh, but Jeff Flake has progressively gotten more vulnerable, I believe, because he's getting squeezed from both sides. Yeah, uh, one, yeah one, one of the things that I – I mean the, amid the, the president's speech in, in Phoenix, my hometown uh, of, of Phoenix on Tuesday evening – in the in the midst of a seventy seven minute speech, uh, quite quite lengthy, uh, number of topics addressed, uh, but he did find time to to criticize both uh, of Arizona's senators without naming them. We've got a short clip we're going to listen to. They all said, "Mr. President, your speech was so good last night. Please, please, Mr. President, don't mention any names." So I won't. I won't. No, I won't vote. One vote away, I will not mention any names. Very presidential, isn't it? Very presidential. And nobody wants me to talk about your other senator, who's weak on borders, weak on crime. So I won't talk about him. Nobody wants me to talk about him. Nobody knows who the hell he is. And now, see, I haven't mentioned any names. So now, everybody's happy. So um, does anybody know who the hell Jeff Flake is? Well, I think even though he didn't mention uh, the senator by name in that room, I believe that those people knew who Jeff Flake was. Those people knew who John McCain was. Uh, and uh, they, uh, there is a visceral reaction to Jeff Flake because that's what the president – I mean what's, what's remarkable is that in that speech, the president was criticizing uh, the Republicans who weren't on board with the health care plan, which would have included Senator McCain. But Jeff Flake voted <laughs> voted for it. But yet some of – when we're looking ahead to 2018, I think the president is most focused on defeating Jeff Flake. And, and ironically too, Flake actually spent quite a bit of time on the floor the night of the vote trying to at first just get McCain's attention uh, and then – and tried to sort of sway him one way or another. He was dispatched by Senate Republican leaders. Uh, and, and, you know, McCain sort of 
ignored him a little bit uh, to, to, to a certain extent. No one, none of McCain's colleagues could change his mind. They sent the vice president over, the, the president called. Um, so, I mean, McCain was, you know, has this sort of long running, I hate to keep using the word feud because it sort of brings up these like conjures in images of wrestling and, and, and so forth. It, uh, might, but, it but, might get to that but, point. But there we, is, can't, we can't rule anything out. There, yeah, there is this, um, there, there is this aspect where it goes back, I mean, in, in Arizona in 2015, uh, Trump criticized McCain by name, uh, questioning his his bona fides as a, as a war hero. Uh, he has gone back to Phoenix a, a couple of times and sort of done you know some very partisan speeches. Uh, and, and this one seemed to be no exception. I mean, I know some people sort of show up for the show and, and the spectacle of it, but it's fairly, I mean, when you only have two reasonably vulnerable Republicans uh, in, in, a, in a midterm election, which is a remarkable sort of coincidence of the, of the map, they actually have a chance, even in this environment, to expand their majority. Does it help for the president to go to the state of one of the more vulnerable people and criticize him? Yeah, I think that's what leaves many Republicans in Washington very frustrated how this is an opportunity for Republicans to get something done. I mean, there's there's a, you know, a Republican technically in the White House. Republicans have control of Congress. But yet there's the president creates this uh, all sorts of chaos. And the president, I think, almost revels in the chaos, but it just makes it legislatively impossible. I mean, last night, the, the president mentioned trying to put pressure on these Trump state Democrats. And I think a lot of those Democrats would be willing to listen to the president on policy and work with him. But there's just this other sideshow going on that makes it politically impossible for them to work, uh, work on the other side. And, you know, primaries in Arizona, Senate primaries are nothing new. John McCain has one every, every six years. Uh, this is new for Flake. I mean, this is he's running for re-election for the first time. But just the, the amount of time and energy the president is focused on defeating someone that he needs, even let's, let's say that Senator Flake loses re-election, the president might still need his votes over the next year plus in order to get some major legislation passed. But what's the incentive for Flake uh, to, to, work with, uh, the, to work with the president if he's just getting berated? And so let's talk a little bit about this this primary in in Arizona. Uh, we do things differently in Arizona. We don't have daylight savings time, <laughs> which is why the speech was on so late. I, I know a couple of people were wondering why is this thing starting so late. Well, we uh, we we have never done daylight savings time, which is uh, you know this sort of strange point of pride in my in my home state. Uh, and also, the primary is incredibly late in the calendar. I mean, late by by, by anyone's standards. I mean, maybe February and March are, are kind of early for for congressional primaries, but August, late August. August twenty eighth, yeah, I is is really kind of late. It really doesn't leave you a whole lot of time. It basically, it leaves you two months to to run a general election campaign. So let's talk about what Flake has to worry about uh, as a in this primary, and then let's uh, pivot a little bit to the, talk about some of the Democrats who um, are are look like they might be challenging him. Sure. Well, you know, let's remember that Jeff Flake was elected in twenty twelve to an open seat left by Republican Senator John Kyle. Uh, he won uh, that open seat in the general election over a former uh, U.S. Surgeon General Richard Carmonia, only forty nine to forty six. So right. that's not uh, and uh, and that's really not yeah a, this a is large one of those, margin for error right. This is one of those like you know kind of marquee races that we paid attention to right. I mean like Flake was a good candidate. Uh, his his family has been there forever. He has you know pretty good name recognition. People do know who the hell he is in Arizona. Uh, his his family has been there for a long time, and he was a member of the House before that. And he also ran the Goldwater Institute, which. You know, Goldwater is another one of those like golden uh, Arizona names. Uh, Carmona, you know, as you said, was the former Surgeon General. He's also, you know, it was a combat veteran in Vietnam. He was a medic. Uh, he 
when he was a cop, he, he shot a guy in the street in Tucson. I mean, he has these, he rides a motorcycle, you know, he was a trauma surgeon. I mean, he, he, it was this really, it was a, one of those big races where, you know, the, we were, it went down to the end. We, we were uh, sort of fascinated by it. Um, does he have that kind of quality of opponent either on the Republican or Democratic side? Well, that's what we're waiting to see. I mean, on the, the Republican side, what we're waiting to see, this is a good example of we're going to find out where the loyalties lie among Republican voters. Is their loyalty first to Senator Flake, who they've known, and they, as you described, or is it to President Trump? Now, I think there are some Republican voters who their loyalty now is first to, to the president. So how much of uh, how many of those people are there and, and how do they believe? There was a, a public policy uh, poll done, which is a Democratic firm, but they specifically I looked at the Trump voters, Senator Flake's job approval rating among Trump voters, 22 percent approve, 63 percent disapprove. Now, let's say that's a Democratic firm with an agenda. Let's chop that in half. It's that's still terrible. Yeah, you know, anytime you're below 50 percent, you're you know, you should be concerned and paying attention. And, you know, and Kelly Ward, Kelly Ward did run against John McCain in 2016 in the primary. Uh, that was a 52-39 race. You know, some people say, well, Kelly Ward's starting with 39 percent. I think that was more about people voting against Senator McCain. I think, you know, if either of us ran against Senator McCain, we'd probably start at about 30 percent. Right. But what was interesting in that race is that in 2016 is that Ward didn't get support from anti-establishment groups that normally don't mind challenging incumbents because they thought she wasn't credible enough and was a little bit too fringe. So now that apparently doesn't matter to the president who tweeted nice things about her even though he didn't mention her at the rally. Mm -hmm. uh, do some of those groups come off the sidelines or does the president and his super PAC get more involved? I think that's, a, that's an open question, uh, particularly because he didn't mention her by name last night. Uh, right now, I think you have to start with – I start with that the senator has the advantage in the primary, uh, but we can't rule out that that, that he loses. This is, there's enough uncertainty that uh, I think it would be unwise to, to rule that out right now. So let's talk about the Democrats a little bit uh, there. And I should note uh, about Carmona shooting a guy in, in Tucson. He did that in his capacity as a Pima County Sheriff deputy. <laughs> he, he wasn't just whipping his gun out and, and shooting somebody randomly in the, in the street uh, for, for kicks, even though you know the, the, the state is home to Tombstone, uh, where they reenact re the gunfight at the OK Corral every single day. Um, so let's talk about some of those Democrats. Carmona is not a – I mean, he's, he's uh, not, not a player in this. He's not uh, a, f a factor in the race. But there, there are some fairly high-profile Democrats who are looking at the race. Sure. Uh, the, the two highest profile right now are Congresswoman uh, Kirsten Sinema. Uh, who represents uh, a swing district in in Phoenix, uh, a pretty fairly large one and competitive you know, and one. Because she represents a competitive district, is viewed as an attractive candidate to win statewide, since Arizona is not a a Democratic state and arguably leans slightly to the right still. Uh, the and also Phoenix Mayor Greg Stanton, uh, he has been he was looking at the race before the cinema news kind of started getting hot and heavy, and also uh, state rep and Dr. Randy Freeze, who. Uh, assisted Gabby Giffords during the Tucson shooting, uh, he's thinking about the race. And I think uh, there are probably cinema may get most of the attention in Washington, but maybe what doesn't get a lot of attention is that because of her record, um, she's been endorsed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce before, one of the few Democrats to have that. She's, she's one of she's the few the blue, dogs. blue dogs left. Mm -hmm. I think there are 18 left, and she's one of them. So the progressive wing of the Democratic Party is not excited, uh, not necessarily excited about her. So I think that's where 
uh, you know, the doctor, the, the state rep could be getting some encouragement to stay in the race because not everyone is just willing to let give her a pass. But when we get to the general election, uh, particularly Cinema and uh, and Stanton, or if it has a high profile, right. if they can just keep the coalition together and attract people who think that Senator Flake is actually too close to President Trump, mm-hmm. then it could really be a serious race. Yeah, Stanton, the for, for for our listeners out there, he's the mayor of Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix doesn't do partisan uh, elections, so I mean, he isn't as associated necessarily with uh, you know, like sort of left-wing politics or, or 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 liberal Democrats and so forth. I mean, he's he's in his second term. He was reelected very easily uh, to his second term. He doesn't have to give up his seat necessarily. I don't, I don't think to um, to run for the Senate. He can. It's a sort of a, it's almost like a special election for him because of the way the the elections are structured uh, for the for the mayor and for Senate. And Maricopa County, I mean, that's that is where the the overall bulk of the pub population is. So, I mean, even though he's only the mayor of Phoenix, he has name recognition in places like Mesa and Tempe and Scottsdale and Glendale, which are like these close-in suburbs where, that have huge populations in, in and, the Phoenix area. And what's so fascinating about the the feud between the president and and Senator Flake is that Democrats are will point out that Senator Flake has voted with President Trump. 93, 94% of the time. I know 538 kind of has this ongoing feature about it. So he's kind of, he's really caught in this tough spot and that's going to come up in the general election and, and we'll see what the president's job approval rating is when we get, you know, a year from now. But it's not, he's getting squeezed. So what would be, you know, some of the things that you're looking for, like, as, as we as we go forward in, in this race? I mean, like, again, we only have so many re- vulnerable Republicans. Who, What are you going to look for in terms of, like, what could be another pivot point uh, for, for Flake's race? I think watching to see if if Kelly Ward, well, first of all, if there are other, uh, other Republicans that jump into the race, which is, there's plenty of time for that to happen because of the late filing and the late primary. Trump pulled a, uh, the, 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 a few congressmen onto the stage with him, uh, Trent Franks and Andy Biggs and call that Paul, Paul Gosar too, like to join him on the stage. Including including Biggs who voted against the health care <laughs> <the healthcare laughs> bill that he was just attacking people. For oh, you wanted to make sense, Nathan. So, I mean, that's, that's adorable. This is, this is, <laughs> this is a craziness. But um, I think – uh, I'll be looking for whether Ward can attract – what kind of support does she attract in the primary? Does she get kind of big money from outside groups? Uh, Robert Mercer, one of one of Trump's big donors, has already contributed $300,000 to a, a super PAC to, to help uh, defeat the senator. Uh, what else? What else comes? What else comes online? I think is important. Does this, does the president get more involved? Because she needs. It's not just about a tweet. She needs to generate fundraising and money to get her message out and deliver that to, to voters. And then we'll be looking at polling. Uh, there was a poll from a firm that I'm not exactly comfortable with or, or from or familiar with that had the, the senator down already to, to Kelly Ward. I'd like to see some more reputable polling, but I think that will start to guide the decisions of, in terms of a rating, both in the primary and general election. Uh, you know, Polling gets a bad rap and some of it's warranted lately, but I still think it can be instructive and useful when 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 conducted by the right people and in the right way. Well, thanks, Nathan, for joining us. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us and listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. Thanks for listening.